You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Did you know you have three holes down there? Like actually, three holes, not two, three. Today we're gonna talk about anatomy. Um, Welcome back to Tigris. You know, here we're all about talking about things that are usually very stigmatized in society, whether it be mental health, periods, sex, uh, healing, unlearning, owning up to your fucking mistakes. Um, And something that's been on my mind a lot because I've been making content about it every single day is anatomy. So yes, if you were assigned female at birth, meaning you have a uterus, you probably, I mean, like 100% have three holes down there, your urethra, your vaginal canal, and your anus. And these are things that I've been talking about a lot on social media, because as I've posted about tampons and pads, you know, because I'm in the business of making more sustainable versions of them. One of the most common questions I get from young menstruators is how to put in a tampon or where the tampon goes. And it's kind of this heartbreaking, um, this heartbreaking thing where I'm so glad that people feel comfortable to comment publicly and ask me these questions. But my heart breaks a little to realize that I am the person they go to as a stranger on the internet that they have never met and probably will never meet because they haven't had the opportunity to to ask these questions in their families, at school, with their friends. Um, and it's 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 this thing that I think we really have to talk about. Like, why is it that we feel the need to apologize when we ask about questions to take care of our own period health? Um, Why is it that we're afraid to use the words vagina, vulva, menstruation, period? Instead, we're stuck with these euphemisms like time of the month, or I feel like we all grew up with some sort of nickname for our private parts. We didn't say like my penis, my vagina. Like for me, I feel like I grew up with pee pee, which is like 
as a kid, as like a toddler, as a kid. Um, and I feel like pee pee is like the closest you could get to it because it's where you're peeing. Um, but I feel like I also grew up around so many other nicknames. Like I think my sister called it Pikachu for a little bit. Like, you know, your Lulu, you know, sometimes these like random female women names, um, uh, you know, your Woody. Well, that's not a name for penis, but you know what I mean? But like all these nicknames, because we're taught from a really early age that simply the label for our body parts is not something that can be talked about. Meanwhile, I would almost say that these body parts should be as open as talking about like your finger, your thumb, your toe, your knee. And in in many ways, we should have even further open conversations about them because maintaining the health and hygiene of your, you know, your genitalia areas takes a lot more care and consideration. Right. And there's a lot more that we have to discuss because your genitalia is also looped in with sex, which is looped in with the overall conversation about consent. So, you know, I don't think I've felt so deeply passionate about destigmatizing basic anatomy really until the last few months where you know we've gained 10 to 15,000 followers a day on TikTok which is really crazy and really exciting um and a lot of how I'm interacting with these followers is answering their questions about basic fucking anatomy um and I think that one of the things that I've started to really think about is like what does the stigma look like in our society and what are the consequences of it, right? The stigma is that we feel like we can't talk about our periods, so we have nicknames for our body parts. And then we have questions about it, like how do I put in a tampon or what is sex or um, what is this rash or what is discharge, right? I get a lot of questions of like, hey, there's like white worms coming out of me or like a white slug or goo. And it's like, yeah, that's vaginal discharge, right? Like there's so many different questions and unanswered questions out there. And I think that the result of having stigma like that is people don't feel comfortable asking questions about their basic body. They don't feel comfortable asking questions about what's happening in this area of their body that is so personal and private to them. And then they're suffering in silence, which is not okay either. The other aspect of this is what are the consequences when our healthcare system avoids talking about things like periods or, you know, your genitalia as well, right? Um, I recently wrote an article about uh, menopause and this like fast growing industry of menopause. And one of the stats that we included in this article was that less than 20% of OBGYNs or doctors have had comprehensive education around menopause, right? And I feel like every menstruator has these horror stories in many ways of going to your doctor and asking about like how heavy your period should really be or how painful your cramp should really be. And us being kind of dismissed as, oh, well, you know, you know, having hormonal changes or, um, you know, having uh, really painful periods is just cramps. Right. So I feel like, again, stigma around not talking about these issues, not asking the right questions, not having a society that you know, prioritizes comprehensive education, even for the medical experts in the first place, um, or encouraging those pre-med students to talk about periods openly. Like that is an issue that leads to individual suffering, but then also like overall societal, you know, issues when even that care is not accessible in an equitable way and everything like that. Um, So I feel like, you know, big picture stigma around not talking about anatomy is ridiculous. And I am genuinely so terrified and get so angry when I get messages, especially from pre-med students who are commenting like, um, excuse me, miss, I'm a pre-med student. And I also think that talking about vaginas are gross. And it's like, 
maybe you should think about a different career. Like this maybe just does not seem like the career for you. Um, so yeah, I feel like this anatomy thing is something that like I also really feel like I'm doing all this learning about and it makes me sad because I'm like, holy fuck, like my whole career has been periods. Like literally I've devoted my career to educating about periods, talking about periods. And yet a few weeks ago or no, a few months ago, I saw on a doctor, uh, a doctor's Instagram, actually, um, Dr. Chambers, who's like an influencer, but also an OBGYN. She posted this, uh, this quiz on her Instagram stories that was like, most people don't know the difference between a vagina and a vulva, like yet, like label which one it is like ABCRD, like a little Instagram poll. And I feel like I do know the answer in my head. But like, when I was watching this Instagram story, even as someone who's so passionate about menstrual vaginal health, I was looking at this Instagram story, and I kind of froze. And I was like, wait, do I know? Like, what, what is the difference between those? Right. And then I started asking online, like, do y'all know what the difference between a vagina and a vulva is? Like, and the majority of people who are commenting, and of course, like, they all care, like my audience follows me oftentimes because they want to talk about puberty. Even they like refer to their whole genitalia as a vagina. When in reality, your overall like external part of your female anatomy is a vulva. And the vagina is literally the inside part, the inside vaginal canal. And not a lot of people know that, right? And so even when we do have the guts or, you know, the have rid the stigma from our own minds of being able to use the actual words, vagina or whatever, oftentimes, for the most part, we're using those terms incorrectly. And again, consequences of that being, are we, are we really making progress in terms of how we can talk about this in an educated way that supports people um, having the, the care that they need? Okay, so then there's this other layer of it, which is I feel really strongly that as a cisgender woman, it is my responsibility to use my platform when I do talk about anatomy and, um, you know, period care to be as inclusive with my language language as I knowledgeably can. And I say knowledgeably because I feel like I'm always eager to learn more about how I can be more inclusive. Like I will never say that I am the most inclusive, you know, person to talk about gender or periods because I'm not. And I feel like I inherently cannot be because I'm cisgender and I'm talking about my experience from what I learned, like from friends and on the internet. I mean, even like kind of a little bit of a tangent, um, a few days ago, my team was thinking about different ways that we can measure the demographics of our community with August. And we saw like a gender pronoun or an option to choose your gender as two spirit, right? So like more indigenous layers of identifying with gender fluidity, right? So just as an, as an example of, I think that there is a really nuanced and important discussion around how we talk about anatomy and bodies in the context of trying to fight for a more gender fluid world. Um, and you know, this is something that I, I feel, I think is my responsibility because so much of our sex ed is is one either not talked about two not comprehensive but also i think not respectful of the societal assumptions around gender right and what it means to have a penis and go through puberty right i feel like when you reach sex ed at age 13 or something boys are taught like your voice is going to lower and you're going to be like a man now you have to like be all macho and it's like this toxic masculinity like adventure conquering whatever historically and then girls on the other side are like 
okay, you're going to have pain and you're going to be mute, moody and you're going to want to stay in bed. And maybe you should just like hush and rest and you're going to feel a little bit, you know, like the history of genteel, like gentleness when talking about women. Um, and that's, you know, where period health and your health down there is very much like this flower of virginity to be like saved and whatever. Right. So I feel like this other component of talking about anatomy, which is like talking about anatomy in the context of gender in the with the goal of being more fluid in our language. Right. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch to Today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote unquote, yes men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us pod to learn more. What I mean by this is I talk about being assigned female at birth, being assigned male at birth or intersex, right? Which is something that I have a lot more learning to do about. And I will own up to that any day. Um, but that talking about that biology and what your body parts, parts are like separate from gender, right? Separate from that person identifies or that body identifies as a woman or a man as not or non-binary, but really trying to be respectful of this separation between biology and gender, right? And I know it, it's a little bit confusing when I talk about this, um, you know, for those of you who might have might not have been exposed to conversations around gender fluidity or how gender is a social construct. Um, but I think that this is something we talk about a lot at August, right? Because we say August is made for anyone who menstruates, regardless of gender. If someone is assigned female at birth, meaning they have a uterus and they will menstruate and they need period products, whether they, whether they identify as a woman or a man or non-binary or whatever they choose to identify with. We want to be there for them and include them in the conversation about periods. We want to serve them with period period products um, and include them in the conversation about improving overall period care. For a lot of followers, like strangers online who have not been exposed to conversations like this, they see a lot of this language and they're like, wait, what? What the fuck? Like only women get periods, like getting your period is a sign that you're a woman. Right. And a lot of what we're trying to do is deconstruct that assumption and say, well, no, not really, because first of all, having blood come out isn't like equal to any sense of womanhood. And there are a lot of harmful things around that because it's linked to a deep history of thinking being a woman means being fertile and being able to have children. And like that is therefore your gender role. Right. But also, you know, having the biology does not influence how you would choose to identify based off of what you know personally about gender expression and gender identity. Um, I think that there's another really, really crazy example 
an angering example of where we have to talk about basic anatomy in the context of um, society, which is around virginity. Um, I started talking about like what a hymen is online because I actually didn't know a lot about it. And it's one of the most common questions I get around like fear of using a tampon, which is if I use a tampon, am I not gonna be a virgin anymore? And this is of course coming from young menstruators, primarily people who identify as young girls, who I think already from a really early age before they even feel comfortable saying the word period or vagina are fearful of no longer being a virgin. And it's not always from what I understand because they feel scared of, uh, you know, feel scared of sex or intercourse, but they're scared of like the repercussions on their, uh, on their reputation of what people think of them, of, you know, this concept of purity if they use a tampon and have something break their hymen. And, you know, I didn't know a lot about hymens in the first place. I actually had to do a lot of Googling myself before I started answering questions. Um, and of course, trying to point people in, in more comprehensive directions for, for, uh, for learning. But for context, a hymen is just a layer of tissue that is on the opening of the vaginal canal. And it's not deep inside, it's literally on the opening. And it looks different for everybody. Some people have like several holes in it already. Some people have like an imperfect and need like a little surgery for it, which is a very minor thing. Um, but, and, and even I, I actually got called in for using language like, you know, will a tampon break the hymen? Because the more, the more accurate word and verbiage for it, but also the more um, inclusive term is stretch, right? Like that you don't break it because breaking is like, a, has negative connotation of this is something you're breaking. And then it's like, is broken versus like, no, this is something that naturally has no biological need. Like the hymen serves absolutely no fucking purpose and looks different for everybody and is more stretching, right? I mean, a lot of people don't even know that they have a hymen in the first place. A lot of people don't know when they break it. Like, I feel like I never had a moment where I was like, oh, my hymen broke. And it was definitely not in like the first time I had sex or anything. It was just very much like, oh, I'm using a tampon and I definitely bled, but that could be my period blood. And some people break their hymens literally from like running or vigorous exercise or jumping, you know? Um, and so I think that there's all of these there's all these things to consider when we talk about like the basic anatomy of the hymen, right? What is it? Why is it there? No reason. And like, you know, you know, can it stretch and how does it stretch and where is it? Right. And then there's this whole added layer again of society and what it has put on to people with hymens in, in kind of the assumptions of breaking or stretching or um, maintaining the hymen. Right. Um, oh, I forget who it is. It was like some rapper, I think it was T.I. or yeah, I think it was T.I. who who got like canceled temporarily for talking about how he has his doctor check his daughter's hymen to make sure that she's a quote unquote virgin. Right. Like this super problematic thing of like in pop culture and how it's talked about or even like y'all probably have heard the term like pop a cherry, right? Like cherry pop or these things like these are terms that are associated with like virginity and virginity is in my opinion, a like heteronormative social construct. And I'm not saying that like, I never use the term virgin, right? Like I definitely grew up thinking I'm a virgin, I'm not a virgin. But I think that it's only been in the last couple of years of being so immersed in conversations around like feminist theory and doing a lot of my own like academic understanding. You know, I was a second or minored 
at Harvard, we call it secondary. Uh, I minored in women's and gender studies and like learning about virginity there is like, wait, yeah, you're right. Like, what does virginity actually mean? Right. Does it mean intercourse? So does that mean are you a virgin if it's like girl on girl sex? Right. Like I would consider that sex. But then, you know, do you only have one definition of what sex is? Um, are you a virgin if you are, uh, if it's oral sex, right? Like there's all these different layers that at the end of the day have no right or wrong answer. It's like a societal construct, right? It's like society telling us that if we have something penetrate, usually a penis because it's heteronormative conversation, that we are no longer a virgin. And then there's this added layer of like, well, then what are the consequences of not being a virgin, right? I think Jane the Virgin, by the way, like truly one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Jane the Virgin, which you can watch on Netflix, um, you know, the whole premise is around being taught as like a young Catholic girl that losing your virginity is like having a flower and it's this beautiful flower. And when you crush it or you rip it to shreds, which is them losing their virginity, you can never bring that flower back to life. Um, and so you have to protect it and it's your purity, right? And you know, this historically and still today, by the way, has such harmful consequences. Um, first of all, like there is no sort of like purity in and of itself is like this, ugh, it just makes me cringe, but it's you like the victim, sh like victim shaming, slut shaming at the basis of it, I think is a lot of fun foundational understanding of virginity right as a survivor of sexual assault i have always been so fearful and like i'm still trying to rid myself of that fear of like potential significant others or sexual partners will think that i'm broken that i'm dirty that i'm less attractive because i've been assaulted but i think similarly i think when you first start dating and i've had ex-boyfriends do this i've also had seen this happen to like people like my best friends or sisters even like them being shamed by a partner that they're dating for having a higher body count than them right like having had sex with more people or you know if one partner's a virgin and the other's not like the feeling of like literal disgust if someone else has had sex right like all these things that i think are shaming um and oftentimes shaming uh women more than men obviously um and i think at the same time like virginity is instilling fear not only about sex but like in some countries where you know uh arranged marriage or things like that like virginity is a, a factor of of purity that is being taken into account in terms of valuing the potential of that bride right so it's like there's so many different things to analyze when we talk about virginity and how we contextualize virginity. And I think for me, like I'm seeing it most in young people having a fear of using tampons, right? And y'all tampons are like amazing. They're needed. Like when you don't want to wear something and feel a pad rubbing up on you, you should want to wear tampons. And like, we should talk about this. So I, I also started thinking a lot about like over the last you know, a couple of weeks of making a lot more content around anatomy and sex ed. Um, I've been thinking a lot more about like how I was taught sex ed in school. Um, and, you know, I feel like I was barely talked, it was barely talked about comprehensively. Now that I know more about periods and period pain and endometriosis and uterine fibroids and discharge, like what I learned in sex ed, like I wouldn't even consider sex ed. It was like splitting boys and girls up into different classrooms, again, gender binary, and then basically telling the girls like the basics of here's a tampon and a pad and ask your parents for it. Right. Um, and I think that 
at the same time, when we learned about STDs and birth control and condoms, even in a progressive city like, you know, Portland, it was very much in the fear induced, like be scared of STDs and oh yeah, everyone you, or if you sleep with someone, you're sleeping with everyone that they've slept with, right? I feel like that's a really common thing that we're taught in sex ed, which is, you know, making people feel terrified of sleeping with people because you might catch an STI because you don't know who they've slept with, right? And what does that teaching do, right? I'm not saying again, I'm, I'm not saying that STIs are not important to learn about, but what this is teaching young people and like teaching people who go through this sort of narrative is, I am approaching sex and intercourse, but also treatment of my own genitalia with skepticism, um, you know, fear of another person, not trusting them, not trusting my own instincts, um, not wanting to talk about it. And this fear of STIs that makes it so that there's shame perpetuated around having an STI, right? Around, you know, being able to di diagnose your own STI, right? I have friends who have genital herpes or otherwise, and seeing how much shame that they have in their own hearts, like makes me want to cry because it's like, it's so hard. And as much as I feel like I, as a friend, can be like, this is something that should be normalized, that you should feel no fear over, you see that there's just this internal debate of they've been so conditioned to have shame about something that they had no control over. And it's changed the relationship that they had with their genitalia. And look, it's not them on them to, you know, have to blame for contracting an STI. If anything, it's on, you know, potential past partner that didn't disclose it, which is usually the case. Um, but again, I feel like when we talk about why it's important to destigmatize anatomy and have sex ed, a lot of it is because as a society, but also on an individual level, it's absolutely unacceptable that we have so many people suffering in silence because we can't have basic conversations about our body parts. Like young people should not be confused about the fact that pee and period blood come out of different holes, right? By the way, if you don't know, pee comes out of the urethra, period blood comes out of your vagina. Like I say that over and over again, and it's ridiculous how many times I say that. Um, anyway, so just to wrap up, like I basically just wanted to come on and rant about this because I've been thinking about it constantly. Like I have all my own learning to continue doing, like even about the intersex experience. Like I feel like that is a chapter of my own learning that I have barely scraped the surface of and I want to learn more about so that I can be further and further inclusive about these conversations. And again, when talking about anatomy, we have to talk about it in the context of society. And I think society is like a chicken and an egg situation where like society and the consequences of having virginity as a social construct, inducing so much fear and shame into young people and people today, like that is a problem. And we need to fix that. And I think it starts by having open conversations about anatomy. So how do we do that? I think we keep talking about anatomy. And when people have questions about it, we talk about it and we have open conversations about it. And we tune in to like, obviously I'm biased content like mine, where it's like, yeah, let's talk about anatomy and not use nicknames. Um, and for young parents out there, when you're like talking to a young kid, don't shame it as potty talk. Like if they talk about their body part, treat it like they're talking about a bruise on their elbow, right? Like talk about it with the scientific terms. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's all I have to say on that. Uh, and and clearly I get heated about this. But 
you know, tune in on Tigris to talk about anatomy and vaginas and fetuses and tune in on TikTok where I'm making lots of anatomy content every single day. Um, yeah, anyways, that's it for today. Back again next Wednesday with another episode of Tigris. Um, let me know what you want to talk about. A lot of the topics I talk about on this podcast are because like I got a message or saw a comment being like, hey, I want you to dive deeper into this or something like that. So again, I want to hear from y'all. Um, let me know. Follow DCP on social media as well. They're my incredible production company. Um, I There's a lot of thought that went into choosing them as the production company. We got saw a lot of offers and we really chose them because they are an incredible mission and values aligned production company that exists to amplify underrepresented voices. Um, I'm super proud to be a part of their, uh, their roster of podcasts. Um, so yeah, uh, huge thank you to my Tigress team, the, all the incredible producers um, and the DCP team for putting this together and uh, I will talk to you next week. Bye y'all. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.